And here we are back with yet another unbelievably thrilling episode of On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and today's guest is playwright Saviana Stanescu. Uh, a little bit of a bio on her. She was born in Bucharest, Romania. Her plays have been developed all over the place at places like uh, Lark Play Development Center, New York Theater Workshop, New York Stage and Film, Long Wharf Theater, Ensemble Studio Theater, The New Group, PS122 for the short list. She's got an MFA in Performance Studies as a Fulbright Fellow and an MFA in Dramatic Writing, both from NYU, the Tisch School of the Arts, and if that's not enough, she's got a PhD in Theater Studies from the National University for Theater and Film in Bucharest, Romania. Saviana has taught at NYU, the Strasbourg Institute for Theater and Film, ESPA Primary Stages, and Instituto Cultural Helenico in Mexico City. Currently, she's an assistant professor of playwriting and theater arts at Ithaca College. She founded Immigrants, Artists, and Scholars in New York, an organization, and curates Playground Zero and New York with an accent. Welcome to On Stage, Off Stage, Saviana Stanescu. Uh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's our pleasure. Let's go back to uh, early early things here. Uh, you started out as a journalist in Romania. And 1989, as we know, uh, the Ceausescu government fell. And uh, you began doing journalism. What was it like living in a country where you weren't allowed to ask questions, really, and then all of a sudden having the freedom to ask questions? Yes, I was a college student, actually, in 1989 at the revolution. So, uh, unfortunately, my parents' generation was somehow the sacrifice generation. They had to deal with the dictatorship a lot. For us, you know, as teenagers, we only had a sense that something is not right and there was no electricity after 10 p.m. and hot water only two hours uh, a week, so there were things, but as teenagers you learn to, to make fun, to take everything with a, a little bit of dark humor and gallows humor. So that was what I was doing at that time, but things were not right. And um, I was a college student in Bucharest, and actually we were at a party, and we heard from Radio Free Europe and other friends were not allowed to listen to Radio Free Europe. But at that time, uh, after Gorbachev and the Perestroika, uh, people were starting to, to really talk about some possible change. My grandfather actually uh, died in November 1989 and uh, he was really all the time in the bathroom listening to Radio Free Europe and waiting for the change. Uh, and he did have a chance to, to listen to uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall, the broadcast mm -hmm. on uh, Radio Free Europe. So anyway, I was um, a college student. We went there in the streets. It was, uh, of course, uh, wild and crazy, lots of adrenaline. We started to shout uh, down with the dictator together with the others, the workers. Uh, we didn't even know what 
we were about at that time. What's going to happen? It is a riot, it is a revolution. And then we started to realize that we are really changing the system. We are there to change the system. And uh, there were bullets around us, people were getting shot. One of our classmates got shot in, in the shoulder, another one got arrested because things were not uh, clear at that time. However, after all those days, hot days of 1989, you know, Ceausescu got uh, arrested and his wife too, they got executed on Christmas night. So that was broadcast uh, for us. So it, there, it was very intense and difficult and I think we need the days to talk about uh, those years. What I can say is that after uh, the fall of uh, Ceausescu, of course, uh, first we expected that everything would change over the night, but it didn't, of course. <laughs> so it was a long transition. However, what we did achieve was the freedom of speech and the freedom of finally saying what we wanted to say and the freedom to finally hope what we were suppressing, you know. I never imagined before 1989 that I would be able to, to really write and be a journalist because there was lots of propaganda in uh, sure. the, yeah. the press. So finally we had the free press, the first free press journals. And um, I started to write for different journals and actually my first assignment was to write about the pulling down of the Lenin statue from the pedestal in uh, the big uh, press square that was renamed uh, the Free Press Square. Right. And that statue had been there since, oh, for a long time, I'll bet? Yes, that was, uh, yeah. Uh, the press uh, building was before a sort of uh, uh, Soviet-style building, full of Soviet-style journals. Sure. Yeah. So everything was very much in that uh, uh, style. So for, for us, it was a huge symbol of freedom to see mm -hmm. people pulling down the statue from the pedestal. Yeah. Did you think about that or when they pulled down the statue of Saddam Hussein in Baghdad? How, I, what did that bring back for you? You know, you're the first one who asks me that. And yes, I did. It felt very similar, you mm -hmm. know, very similar. The same sort of hopes and enthusiasm and the dictator is over with the dictator. But then, of course, it's not over overnight. You know, there's sure. a whole process of transition and things get complicated before they get clearer. Right. So absolutely, I think there are lots of similarities and differences between what's happening in you know the last years with the Arab Revolution and uh, what happened in Iraq and in Egypt, so there are many similarities. I'm realizing that all revolutions have something that's the same. How did that change you as a person before and after? Because uh, obviously the country goes through changes, which take a while, and individuals have to go through changes also to adapt because you're all discovering, you're all creating as you go along. How did that change you? I mean, as a reporter, all of a sudden having the power to ask things that you didn't need to be afraid to ask. 
Yes, um, uh, before that uh, I was also a poet and I was trying to write for some journals and um, they would censor me. They would uh, they would censor, you know, lots of lines from any article and from even from my poetry. So, um I I didn't even expect that I would be really free to say what I wanted to say. Um so it was such a such a relief and also uh, the freedom to to stay in Bucharest and to to just work in Bucharest because uh, we had at that time forced uh, so-called repartitions like f- to be forced to work in a certain place you know the countryside or in a small time uh, in a small town they would uh, send us where we had to work after graduating mm-hmm. from college so now it was this um, amazing freedom to okay now i'm going to do what i want to do and i'm going to you know uh, create my own career i would be i didn't even think about uh, traveling abroad at that time it was just that sense that oh i'll be able to stay in bucharest and uh, i'll be able to write you know so that was those were my first thoughts and uh, it was uh, amazing i never experienced such a feeling of freedom and enthusiasm and hope and uh, that sense that everything is possible and all the roads are are free in front of you since then i never experienced that feeling maybe except for when i got first to to new york city your website um list well says that you were reborn when you came to new york in in 2001 um how so I mean, what, what did that mean for you I guess it was this similar thing, you know, that you, you get to the, to the next step. Because we did have very difficult years in Romania after the fall of communism. The transition was difficult. There was lots of corruption. Actually, in 2000, when I uh, got the Fulbright grant to come to New York, the, we had elections and we were supposed to elect between an extremist nationalist and a former uh, communist guy, sort of number two. Mm-hmm. after, you know, Ceausescu. So it, there weren't many choices. Uh, it, w- it didn't go the way we expected for a while. So it felt like, oh, finally I'm really going to make the big step forward and live in a country that's truly free and democratic. And now, only now, I can say that uh, I can truly do what I want to do. So, you know, a lot of idealism because... Uh, Neither there in Bucharest or in New York, of course, things didn't go as expected. Even more, in New York, I got two weeks before 9-11. So all those two weeks were full of, oh my God, it's the perfect city, it's the, the free, the democratic, the perfect the world and right. then unfortunately 9-11 came and actually my world got upside down again yeah so, I think everybody's got upside down yeah so that year in New York City um, I was having this Fulbright fellowship and I chose to become a student again probably because those years in the totalitarian regime I'm like a lifelong student I like to sure, learn yeah, something again yeah. and again so I could come as a visiting artist in 2001 because in Romania I was already established as a poet and a writer. I even had many productions in Europe, in France, in Germany. Uh, But I chose to be a student in performance studies because we didn't have performance studies over there in uh, Romania. And um, I was doing my MA in performance studies at that time. And then I was offered a fellowship to do an MFA in dramatic writing, as you said, at NYU. So that year in performance studies, all my projects and everything I did 
was about 9-11. I took pictures of the American flag displayed as a symbol of solidarity. So I started to think a lot about those things. Um, that's why my view changed. In Romania, I was really preoccupied as a journalist and a poet and then playwright to write about a country in transition, about our ideals, about our desire to, to uh, move forward, to, to look up to the West, the almighty West, while getting to New York meant more of rethinking about my identity. As you know, sometimes you see better from the distance. So my place became about identity, about immigration, about living sure. in between cultures. About A lot yeah. of your work centers on the idea of identity. I mean, not just you, but your characters seek to find themselves in a strange place at a different time. And also Romania was going through its own search to find its own identity. Exactly, exactly. So identity became a major theme for me. And I must say that uh, over there, back in Romania, I was much more concerned with the other things, such as, yes, to, to express things like uh, sexuality and freedom and uh, women, uh, feminist issues. Many people consider me a feminist writer in Romania. And actually in France, a critic wrote in 2000 that, that I was the hard poetess playwright at the border between <laughs> millennia. Yeah. <laughs> so I was really writing this dark, strong, sharp, yeah. and um, yeah, dark well, humor. Well, well, here you are trying to find your own identity through your writing, through experimentation, through living in a holy place, and all of a sudden you're confronted with other people's idea of who you are. How did that work out? It's, did it change things? Did it give you a whole new view on who you were? Did it alter the things that you thought about? Absolutely. I mean, that's a very good question. You know, yes, because um, what I achieved in Romania after all those years, mm -hmm. since uh, 1989 until 2001 when I left, uh, I achieved a level, you know, of uh, uh, celebrity, <laughs> shall I say. Mm -hmm. I was quite well known as a writer over there. I was even... Um, a host of a TV talk show, uh, so and it's a small world, of course, in Romania, the, the cultural world. Yeah. So I, I was achieving. I was well known. I was doing. I was at the point of doing what I wanted to do. I won yeah. the best play of the year in 2000. I was, let's say, on the wave, up on the wave, sure. yeah. doing things in Germany, in France. Um, and then I came here and all of a sudden I was nobody, you know, I was nobody. I was a student with, with an accent. And uh, here in America, when you open your mouth and you have an accent, people, you know, first they kind of don't really trust what you say or they think <laughs> twice about what you say. Uh, or definitely you don't have the level of authority. It's like uh, uh, you, people need sure. to get to know you. Right. And then they kind of start to listen to your ideas and yeah. what you are bringing that's new, that's relevant, that's challenging. Yeah. Language has always been the great divider. It's not the borders, it's not the rivers, it's not the mountains that separate people. It's the language which represents different cultures, different ideas. So every time we hear somebody with a different accent or a different you know, way of speaking than we do, we have to try and figure them out. 
and it's uh, it's it's a journey for both of you. Absolutely, yes. We forget that uh, maybe people speak with an accent, but they don't think with an accent. So, uh, yeah, it was actually... I like that. <laughs> my whole journey here as a writer mm-hmm. has been this... Um, uh, struggle maybe to move into the English language. It was a challenge and a struggle that uh, this is in a way what I've been working on since 2001, you know, to move as a writer into the English language because for us writers this is what life is about. It's about writing, it's about words, it's about expressing your inner truth through mm-hmm. words. So uh, that's why I, I worked a lot and that's why I kind of, I didn't go back because I invested so much in studying in New York, in studying to write my plays in English. It became so important for me to, to say what I have to say in English for American audiences and beyond. So uh, that's why I was building play after play and uh, I haven't stopped <laughs> working on that. Let's, let's talk about your work. We haven't gotten to that yet and you've written many plays in fact, you just got off a bus from New York City, and you're working on not one, but two projects. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about those? Uh, yes, uh, yeah, I'm taking uh, any time I have in New York and anywhere else, actually, to, to do work. Uh, so right now, I'm, I have a residency with an off-Broadway company in uh, New York, New Georges. It's a company right. for women writers and directors. And I and director Tamila Woodard, an African-American director, work on a project called Enslaved, mm-hmm. about human traffic and sex traffic. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting. I already wrote lots of monologues and scenes. Now we are working with a composer to develop some songs and music. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a very interesting immersive theatrical experience. We have a year to develop this project with a presentation in June and the full production next year. Uh, the other project that I'm working on is with a team um, uh, coordinated by uh, a director, Simon Hanukai, a, a, a show about the fall of the Berlin Wall. It's an international team. Dramaturg is uh, the American Jess uh, Applebaum, but the the actors are from Korea, France, uh, India, Eastern Europe, Hungary, a video designer from Romania. It's a very interesting theme. And um, we are doing a workshop production now uh, in November, from November 1st to November 10th. And then next year, when we celebrate 25 years from the fall of the Berlin Wall and the Iron Curtain, We'll have we'll be having a big production in New York and tour it internationally. Excellent, excellent. And in case you just tuned in, you're listening to On Stage, Off Stage. Our guest is playwright Saviana Stanescu. I'm George Sapio, and we are talking about the half a dozen projects she's working on all at the same time. Talk about busy. Okay, so you just got off a bus from New York City where you're working on two projects. And you've got the interview here with us. And where are you going right after this? I'm going to our rehearsal at Ithaca College for a device theater piece that I've been working on called Back to Ithaca, a contemporary odyssey. It's based on interviews with Ithaca veterans from veterans from Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, that my students in my class, Reimagining the Classics, interviewed last year. And then uh, I I told them to, to, of course, to transcribe the the interviews and then compress uh, those interviews in uh, three-page monologues. Then this year I orchestrated 
uh, the script, uh, the monologues, I created a chorus, I included the warrior writer's poems that I made like a chorus. So now we are working towards the workshop production with uh, with a great cast of uh, Ithaca College Theatre Arts students. Mm -hmm. I have uh, also a student, Dennis Chambers, uh, coordinating the movement and the choreography. So we are very excited that actually this um, weekend um, uh, we are presenting uh, our show and we'll also have some veterans coming for, for the talk back. It's a device theater piece and I'm also directing, so it's a lot. <laughs> uh, do you actually take time to eat, sleep, or do things like... Uh, it's going up um, this weekend, October 25th, 26th, and 27th at Ithaca College? Yes, in uh, our studio theater at Dillingham Center. And this is open to the public, I'm assuming? Absolutely, yeah. So Friday evening at 8 p.m., Saturday at 2 p.m. with a talk back, and then 8 p.m., and Sunday at 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. Absolutely, people could come to, to check on us. It's a very exciting device theater project, and I think we need to do more of these kind of things, you know. I was here, as I told you, in Ithaca, and thinking, what can I do that's relevant for the community and beyond? Right. Oh, I said, Ithaca, the Odyssey, Odysseus. And then I got to learn sure. about the veteran sanctuary, and I got to learn the many veterans and warrior poets that are here in Ithaca. So I I thought that this would be a perfect project to capture something essential about Ithaca, to also allow our students to investigate and get to understand some very important issues for themselves and, you know, for, for the country and for the global society. And I'm also planning, if everything goes well, to tour this production in Europe. Nice. I all, already have two uh, requests requests from London and from the uh, CPU International Theatre Festival in Transylvania. But really? let's see if Excellent. we have a good production first. So I don't want to commit before I'm sure that what we have to present is great. This sounds unbelievably complicated and ambitious and wonderful. Um, as, as you mentioned, Odyssey and Ithaca, and Ithaca does have that, that certain cachet, which we kind of feed uh, deliberately, that Ithaca is home and Ithaca is part of a journey. And obviously, you've been on a journey for many years, you know, going here, going there, trying to find, I guess, yourself, as you mentioned on your website, and expressing who people are in different circumstances. Um, is Ithaca home for now? Yes, it's a home, you know. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say the home. I think I have, I have many homes by now. Oh. And uh, I think that, you know, uh, at this time we are all, or certainly I am a sort of global citizen, you know. I feel I can make my home anywhere. You've got... Uh, one that you wrote a few years ago, Lennon's Shoe, uh, which is uh, being produced by local civic ensemble, who we had on here a few months back, being produced at the Hangar Theater in the middle of November. Uh, you're bringing this back. Why? First of all, I'm very excited to work with the Civic Ensemble. I think that uh, they are doing a great job over they, here. They do some amazing work, yeah. yeah. And with Godfrey Simmons, I actually worked in New York 
at the Lark Theater and in other circumstances. He's a great actor, a great producer. So I was very happy when we found each other over here. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer Herzog is also a colleague of mine teaching at Ithaca sure. College. Yeah. So in a way, it's been the perfect match that I found here in Ithaca. Of course, I'd like to work with uh, with uh, uh, Ithaca theater companies and theaters as much as possible. And for now, the Civic Ensemble has been the company who really came to me and we worked together very well. We even created a lab. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited. Lenin Shu um, is an older play of mine, actually, written maybe in the first years when I got here and when I was a student at NYU. Then it had, uh, in dramatic writing, then it had a workshop production at the Lark Play Development Center right. with my mentor, Arthur Coppitt, and directed by Daniela Topol. And then uh, it sort of almost had a production, and uh, at the same time I was writing Aliens with Extraordinary Skills, and because the producers at that time liked uh, Aliens with Extraordinary Skills, maybe more, it was more relevant, uh, Aliens with Extraordinary Skills became the play for, right. for that year in 2008. And we'll Lenny, talk about that one in a second, that one's fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, so Lenny Shu kind of got in a sort of a supporting role. So now I'm trying to, to get back to it, to see if there is a need to, to rewrite certain things, to revisit it, especially because a few you people told me after different events with Putin, with the Chechen mm -hmm. bombers, with many other interesting and uh, annoying or disturbing things that happened uh, in the last uh, year or so, that, well, this is, uh, you know, it reminded me about your play, Lenin Shu. What happens with that play, you know? Yeah. So then I said, okay, let's see what, what happens with that play. So I took it uh, out of the electronic drawer. <laughs> <laughs> file. Dusted it off? <laughs> yeah, yes. And um, I, uh, Jennifer Herzog asked me for a few plays to read, and she and Godfrey also liked this one. And uh, Moreover, Norm Johnson, uh, a great director that I admire and colleague of mine at uh, Ithaca College, he really liked this play and thought that we should explore it further. So right. this is how the theme got created. As you know, as a playwright, you, you need a team of people who believe in your play. Yes, you do. <laughs> to start with. <laughs> and then you can convince the audiences mm -hmm. that something there. So I'm really happy that for now we found our team. We are all cast with, of course, many Ithaca College students that right. I love. Uh, Jennifer is going to be in the play as well. Uh, Michael Kaplan, Michael okay. Samuel Kaplan, a great New York actor who now teaches at Ithaca College. Right. So we have a great team. So That's, I hope yeah. that um, things will go well and people will be will come and will be interested in this uh, play. And it tell, is, us, um, tell us about the play itself. I mean, what, uh, it's, yeah. what's the story? Well, it's a complicated story. It's about Eastern Europeans in Queens, um, uh, New York, uh, and it's an interesting combination of immigrants. I have a, a, a former, you know, KGB guy, mm -hmm. a Russian, uh, a Russian owner of the restaurant called Uncle Vanya. So a KGB guy turned restaurant owner. His son and the complicated relationship between the two of them, because when well, here people need to come to. See see why, sure. but the son is a very rebellious teenager who is in a wheelchair, so things are complicated. Then we have a nanny 
Jasna, who's a former uh, journalist and uh, war correspondent. Her husband, Hassan, is a former poet laureate in Bosnia turned limo driver, because, of course, here his words right. are not what they should be. And they have a son, too, Alex. Uh, there's another girl called... Um, um, Yes, uh, a Russian galerina. So we have this conflict between the two generations, mm -hmm. the, the angry, rebellious young generation and the parents, the, right. the older generation. Again, all of them trying to find a common place or just to kind of let out their anger, their frustration. Right. So uh, we're back to identity again. Yes, I think that this play is my, my play about identity in many variations. It's like a symphony of variations on the theme of identity, mm -hmm. absolutely. I even have a guy, another character, who's a failed suicide bomber. So yeah, I have, I have very interesting characters sure. at least. I would say it's a characters-driven play, of course, it has a plot as well. But yes, I think that exactly what you said, it is a symphony of themes, uh, of identity themes. Right. That you mentioned character-driven as opposed to plot. Um, I personally think that I favor plays that are character-driven um, as opposed to plot. Is, is that how you write from the beginning? You work your characters in and then what? The, uh, how, how does the plot emerge? Yes, for me, I, I because I really like to explore different dramatic structures, I worked off-Broadway, I worked in more mainstream conventional theater, but I also work a lot in experimental theater, mm -hmm. even immersive theater, even site-specific theater. So I do like to do all kind of, uh, to create many types of theatrical experiences. Sure. But I would say that, yes, my plays are mainly character-driven. So I do start with the, the characters and a sketch of a story, and then I let those characters interact and collide and see where they take. You, you mentioned that you think this is your, your play about identity, but I was looking at Aliens with Extraordinary Skills, and that seems to be a play which also stresses a search for identity from word one to, to the final curtain. Um, how do you how do you feel about Lennon Chu being? I mean, do you think it's more of an identity play than Aliens? Um, no, no, you're you're right. Aliens with extraordinary skills is is very much about identity. Maybe Lennon Chu is a little darker. Okay. Although Aliens has its darker elements, uh, Aliens with extraordinary skills actually, you know, is the uh, uh, name of a visa. Aliens with, for aliens with extraordinary right. skills sure. in yeah. the arts. So I started with the a real story that I read in newspapers <laughs> about uh, these uh, guys in Florida, uh, a Romanian and a Ukrainian, who created a bogus circus. And they uh, smuggled in over 800 um, illegal aliens on fake circus visas for aliens with extraordinary skills in the circus. So I thought that this circus metaphor is a very interesting mm -hmm. metaphor to, to talk about um, uh, immigrants and illegal immigrants and hopes. Uh, so I think uh, that this, yes, a play about identity, uh, but it uh, has a sort of comic touch to right. it. Um, I have only four characters, and my main character, Nadia, 
has two INS immigration officers that, you know, are sort of a chorus of voices in her head. So what I would say is that uh, in Aliens, I also dramatized the inner conflict. Mm -hmm. And this is something that it came in my place after Lenin Shu, in my play Waxing West. And uh, many other plays, I sort of like to dramatize the inner conflict in right. dreams, in uh, choruses, in not just the external conflict. Mm -hmm. And Elias uh, has also been my most successful American play. It has been uh, produced not only off Broadway uh, by women women's project, but also by other companies in New York, Ego Actus and others. Then regionally, it has been produced in Cincinnati, in uh, California, in Sacramento, in Oklahoma City, nice, in yeah. many yeah. places, and in Mexico City, mm -hmm. under the title uh, Immigrantes con Habilidades Extraordinarias. Um, it's been a big hit in Mexico City. The, the group that produced it, the, moved it from one theater to another theater, they even created a company called Los Aliens, just to, to present <laughs> it again. Yes, so it also got published in Mexico City, and they still they still do it in repertory. I Excellent. still get emails from them and Facebook messages, we are doing it again. Well done. Um, what what did you write, Aliens? How many years ago? Uh, Aliens, um, I wrote it with the NISCA fellowship. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in residence with Women's Project yep. in 2007, 2008. Okay. Have things changed significantly for you in the time between? Because I'm asking about Nadia's experiences in the play. And... You know, what happens in the play is what Nadia tells us, pretty much. We follow her. Would it change now, if you were thinking about it again? Um, I think that with, with Elias, I did want to go into a sort of more happy place, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, that now my thinking has become more political, and I'm more interested in... Uh, uh, in, uh, in serious themes that I need to, to explore. But I still love Valiance with Extraordinary Skills because it goes into those places about um, identity and immigration and living in between and trying to fit, trying to adjust, trying to belong. I would say that in Alliance, uh, the two women characters... Nadia and Lupita are two sides of myself, the naive, the idealistic side. Oh, everything is going to be great. Yeah. And Lupita is like, no, you have to work hard. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, it's a very personal play in a way, Alliance with Extraordinary Skills, I would say. Since most of your stuff seems to be dealing with finding identity, how do you feel about your own identity? Have you, have you found it? Are you still working on it? Is it a developing thing? That's a difficult question. That's why I asked it. Uh, well, it, it seems that my identity is still a work in progress, that um, I am still exploring with mm -hmm. each project, each play that I write. Um, I'm still uh, exploring and investigating my identity. What I know for sure is that uh, uh, this is how I want to explore it, through theater, to theater, through my artistic work. So I don't know about something else that uh, can be achieved, but I know that my path goes through theater and theater projects. And what I have to say to the world is hopefully hopefully interesting. Actually, you remember George Bernard Shaw said, if you are to tell people the truth, you better make them laugh 
Otherwise, they'll kill you. So, <laughs> I've, I've heard that there's a Turkish expression that says, if you plan to tell the truth, you should have one foot in the stirrup. Uh-huh. I know that one, too. So, yeah. So, I, that's what, what I'm doing with my plays. You know, I'm trying to tell the truth, my personal truth, what I think is the truth, but also bring some humor to it sure. so people listen yeah. to, to my stories. And I don't know about my own identity. I still hope uh, to, to find uh, a place I could fully call home. Let's say that. You grew up in, in Romania under a repressive, repressive regime. And a lot of your work deals with folks who are coming out of a repressive regime into a land of promise. What, do you, what goes through your mind when you think about writing for an audience that has never known a repressive regime? Well, that's precisely what I think that my, my mission, my self-imposed mission is that to, to uh, sh share those kind of stories with people, to, to make them understand what means to grow in an oppressive regime, what means to live in between cultures, what means to permanently negotiate between values, what means to not be able to have a place to call home, you know? So I think that uh, uh, for that's exactly why I need to be here in America, <laughs> because I think uh, people need to hear those stories. Good. Okay. Well, that's about all the time we have for right now. Uh, once again, just want to remind our audience, you've got a couple of productions coming up. Um, back to Ithaca, a contemporary odyssey at Ithaca College, October 25th, 26th, and 27th. And uh, November 15th at the Hangar Theater, produced by the Civic Ensemble, Lennon Chu. And I'm assuming, uh, tell us uh, what the address of your website is. Oh, saviana.com, of course. <laughs> oh, well, that seems fairly simple. Uh, Saviana Stanescu, thank you so much for stopping by and talking with us today. And good luck with your writing, your identity, and uh, the houses for your play. Thank you so much, and good luck to you too. Thank you.